Our scripture text today is from Malachi chapter 3, verse 6 through 12. I, the Lord, do not change, so you, the descendants of Jacob, are not destroyed. Ever since the time of your ancestors, you've turned away from my decrees and have not kept them. Return to me, and I will return to you, says the Lord Almighty. But you ask, how are we to return? Will a mere mortal rob God? Yet you rob me. But you ask, how are we robbing you? In tithes and offerings. You're under a curse, your whole nation, because you're robbing me. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there will be not be enough room enough to store it. I will prevent pests from devouring your crops, and the vines in your field will not drop their fruit before it's ripe, says the Lord, Lord Almighty. Then all the nations will call you blessed, for yours will be a delightful land, says the Lord Almighty. This is the word of the Lord. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, we need you. We need you to hear this hard and difficult word. It's about tithes and offerings, and oftentimes it's a sensitive subject, but Lord, it shouldn't be. It's in your word, and ultimately it's about love. So we pray that you would be in the midst of us as we continue to worship you by hearing your word. I pray for everyone here at ACC that their hearts may be open and receptive to the word that you have for us today. We thank you, O oh God, for this opportunity. Would you just please bless us and be with us? Pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. This text, whoa, that's good. This text is about tithes and offerings. And it's uh, not always a subject we want to talk about. Uh, it's oftentimes quite touchy. It, it's one of those topics that everyone talks about, but no one really talks about. Everyone knows that they have to give tithes and offerings, but they don't really want to say how much they're supposed to give. And those questions are always um, in the back of our minds. Are tithes still required? Is it really 10%? And is it 10% of gross income or net income? Is it, do we... Do we have to pay weekly, monthly, every paycheck, if I sell my house? You know, there's all these questions that kind of come up. And we're afraid sometimes to ask them. And uh, sometimes we have the right answer, sometimes we, we have the wrong answers. And hopefully this text sheds some light on what it means to give our tithes and offerings uh, to God. There, these are all valid questions, and while I won't be able to answer every single one, I do hope to give us a framework of how we ought to think of tithes and offerings and whether we should give and how much we should give if we are to give at all. And so I want to talk to you about what Malachi taught about tithes and offerings. And one thing I want us to remember when I'm talking about in the book of Malachi is that we are in the Old Testament which is in the Old Covenant. And, and that will become very important as you see, as I explain these verses to you, that the covenants in which we find ourselves matter 
and how we are to give our tithes and our offerings. So we begin with verse 6. God declares, I, the Lord, do not change. And I, and I had brought up just a couple seconds ago that the context, or at least the covenant matters when we are talking about tithes and offerings. See, tithes and offerings never just appear in a vacuum. It is not simply a monetary transaction. There is a purpose and reason for that monetary transaction or that transaction of goods. There's a reason for it. And God declares to the people of Israel that they must remember that these tithes and offerings come in the context of a covenant. And which covenant is that? It is the covenant that was formed at Mount Sinai, the Ten Commandments, the formation of Israel. When God formed Israel, He entered into a covenant, a binding agreement with the people of Israel in which God will be their protector and provider as long as Israel follows these certain stipulations. And I want to read for you um, in the book of Exodus um, where this comes out. In verse, this is verses 3 to 8. This is 19.3 verses 8. It says, while Moses went up to God, the Lord called to him out of the mountain, saying, Thus you shall say to the house of Jacob and tell the people of Israel, You yourselves have seen what I did to the Egyptians and how I bore you on eagles' wings and brought you to myself. Now, therefore, if you will indeed obey my voice and keep my covenant, you shall be my treasured possession among all peoples, for all the earth is mine, and you shall be to me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. These are the words that you shall speak to the people of Israel. So Moses came and called the elders of the people and set before them all these words that the Lord had commanded him. All the people answered together and said, All that the Lord has spoken, we will do. There is that agreement. God says, you're going to follow everything that I do, and I will protect you. And the people of Israel heard these terms and conditions and says, we accept. It was a marriage ceremony. And together they were in this covenant. And this is when we come to the book of Malachi. See, that is important for us to understand what is happening in these um, prophetical books. The prophetical books are explaining how the covenant parties have kept their end of the bargain. And that is why in verse 6, God comes up and says, I, the Lord, do not change. I, the Lord, do not change. Israel finds themselves in a weird position right here because they know that nothing is going right so far in their land. They've built the temple. It's not as glorious as it used to be. Um, people are um, about to attack them. They're not respected. And, and people are starting to complain against God. But God says, I do not change. I am not the person who has neglected the covenant. It is the people of God. It is the Israelites that have neglected the covenant. 
The reason you guys find yourself in a bad situation is because of what you guys have done. But God also adds to that. He also says, so you, the descendants of Jacob, are not destroyed. God says, if I did change, you guys would all be dead. Right? Because the Israelites, they weren't obeying. They weren't doing the right things. And God had every right to leave them and smite them. But here is God saying, no, I do not change. I am here. But you find yourself in your situation largely because of what you guys have done. God has not left, but he is still there. And why he's reminding them of who he is is because he's telling them, come back to me. People of Israel, return to me. I know you guys have been sinning. I know that you guys have been engaging in these activities. But I am God who still loves you, who still desires to be with you. Return to me. But then the question arises, but you ask, in verse 7, but you ask, how are we to return? And that question, it doesn't come out in English that well, but the actual, if you go into the Hebrew, the, the nuanced version actually says this. It says, in what manner shall we return to you? More, what the, the, the nature of the question is saying this. Not how should we return to you, oh God, teach us. It's more of, what do you mean we need to return to you? What have we done? How ought to we return to you? We haven't done anything. And so God then replies, he says, Will a mere mortal rob God? Yet you rob me. But you ask, how are we robbing you? And God says, in tithes and offerings. Tithes and offerings in the formation of the covenant was a big thing. When the people of God became the people of God, tithes and offering was not a hidden clause that no one knew about. It was in the first five books of the Bible, and there is mention of it in every book, and huge, large sections. When you are part of the people of God, you are to give one-tenth. That's what tithe means. You are to give one-tenth of your possessions. And you're not to shortchange God. But in verse 10, we see that the people did exactly this. In verse 10, it says, Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house. What is implied by these verses is that the people were shortchanging God. They were not bringing the best things. They were actually not even bringing everything that they were supposed to bring. And I want to take just a little time to think about this. Would anyone dare and rob God? Yet here we see the Israelites robbing God. And was it a lot? And this is a fair question to, to ask. Was one-tenth of their produce, of their fruit and labor, was that a lot? To be honest, it is. Ten percent of what you make and labor, it's a lot. But... God guarantees you get to keep nine-tenths. God is not asking for half. God is only asking for 10%. Just to put it into context, the government takes way more. Way more. 
But here, God does not only say it's not that much. He, he gives them another promise. He promised them. In verse 10, if you look, it starts with, test me in this. God makes a promise that if you give all your tithe, if you give all your tithe and your offering, that's only one-tenth, he promises you this. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty. And see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there will not be room enough to store it. God says that if the Israelites give their one-tenth, he will guarantee that they will always have nine-tenths of their labor. It's a guarantee to God, to the people of Israel. But yet the Israelites are still unable to do this. Even if God promises, the God who is God of all the earth promises that nine-tenths will be given to them if they can give only one-tenth, should, they should have taken it. It's a great deal. If, if any investor gives up to me and says, if you give me a dollar every time, I will guarantee you, you will have nine dollars back. It's a good deal. But yet, we begin to understand what sin actually is. Here we see a perfect picture of what sin actually is. First, the Israelites are sinning by going back on the promises they made to God. They are not giving the one-tenth one -tenth that was promised to God. They're not. But what sin is also doing is preventing them from seeing the actual good thing that they're supposed to do. Sin not only makes us do bad things, it prevents us from seeing the right thing, doing the right thing, making sure that we see and choose God. And how do we know that the Israelites didn't choose God? Because Malachi is the last book in the Old Testament. And once we fast forward to the New Testament in the book of Matthew, Israel is not in a better place. They are still not giving their tithes and offerings. They are not a nation that is being blessed. They are, not, they are not a great, delightful land, as it says in verse 12. They, had, they still were unable to give that one-tenth. And God understood that all of humanity would struggle with this from here on out. This is not solely an Israelite problem. This is really a human problem. In this old covenant, if this were still the same arrangement, people would fail to see the great deal God is giving his people. If we still lived in this old covenant, nobody would be able to faithfully give this one-tenth, and we would be cursed forever. So God took to extreme measures and thank God that he is a God that does not change. And he promised, remember, in the early days in Genesis, he promised that the people would be blessed forever. And so instead of making the tithe harder, harder instead of rebuking the people more, what he did was send his own offering, his son, Jesus Christ. 
You see, ultimately, what tithes and offerings are all about is about love. It's not to show your loyalty. It's not to show how much of an Israelite or a Christian you are. It's to show how much you care and how much you love. And God showed the people that he understood that the people would not give, that the people would not have enough ability to reconcile themselves to him. So what he did was give the first offering, which is his son, Jesus Christ. He puts down the first payment. He says, I am the God who does not change. You will be mine forever. And I will ensure that. And because you guys cannot do it, I will send my son who can. And so Jesus Christ died on the cross for us and reconciled us to God. And with that move, we are ushered into the new covenant into the new covenant with new rules on tithes and offering. You see, before we talk about tithes and offering, we have to understand who we are in relation to Jesus Christ. We have to understand that we are sinners unable to reconcile ourselves to God, but that because God loved us so much, he sent his one and only son that if we believe in Jesus, we are reconciled to God and we have eternal life in him. And it is under this covenant we have to understand tithes and offerings. And so I go to our next question. Does God still require us to give tithes and offerings? And I would say that this is an absolutely wrong-headed question. But a lot of people do ask it. Are we still obligated? That's not the question that we should be asking. And the question we should be asking is, does God still want us to give tithes and offerings? In which I will say, yes. In which the Bible says, yes. God absolutely wants you to give tithes and offerings. Because tithes and offering has always been about sacrifice and love. And that is what God always wanted to show his people. You know in the old covenant, the one with the Israelites, why did God require tithes and offering from the people? Have you ever thought about that? Was it because God needed it? God didn't need the money. God doesn't, what is he going to do with a cow? God doesn't need cow. What is he going to do with grain? Why does he ask people to give one-tenth of all their fruits and labor? Because God has always wanted to show and teach the people about love. In Deuteronomy 12.6, here is how the tithes and offerings were to be used. Deuteronomy 12.6, When you have finished paying all the tithe of your produce in the third year, which is the year of tithing, giving it to the Levite, the immigrant, the fatherless, and the widow, so that they may eat within your towns and be filled. That was the whole purpose of tithes and offerings in the Old Covenant, so that the people would learn how to love God and love everybody else. And so in the New Covenant, God does not change. He still wants us to do these things. But... The benefit of the new covenant is that our fate is not tied to our offering and tithes. 
Today, if you do not tithe and off, if you do not provide tithes and offering, you will not be cursed. On the reverse side, if you give more of your tithes and offerings, you will not be especially blessed. That's not how things work in the new covenant. So the question is, wait a minute, then do we have to give 10%? And this is where it changes a little bit. I've already stated that God still desires us to give tithes and offerings, but does the 10% rule still take effect? No. There is no mandatory 10% rule. The New Testament makes the stakes a little bit higher, actually. Jesus gives no number. That's always a little bit scarier. If you ever go to a restaurant and you look at the menu and there's no price and it says market price, <laughs> that's a scary thing. Here, this is what Jesus is saying. There is no mandatory rule. If you do not give, you're not going to get cursed. If you give a lot, you're not going to be more blessed. The question you now have to ask yourself is, how much do you give to somebody you love? Because that's you are in a relationship with Christ, and Christ who loves you and whom you love back, that is the fundamental question you are now asking. How much time, money, and resources do I give to the person that I love the most? It's the same question we ask ourselves to our significant other. How much money, time, and resource do I spend to my wife, to my husband, and to my children? How much is enough for them? It's a real difficult question, isn't it? And it's one, and, and that is the question in which we should be asking ourselves. How much do I give to Christ? How much do you give to somebody you love? I've never heard parents talk to one, uh, one another and say, how much do you give your child? And they say, 10%, it's good. <laughs> Once you give 10%, you never have to think about it again. Or, or if you're going out, how much do you love me? 11%. I'm going to give you 11%. We should not talk about th like that in the church. There are some seasons we'll be able to give a lot. There will be some seasons we'll be able to give a little. But the fundamental question we have to ask ourselves when we're giving our offerings and our tithes is how much do we give to this person that we love? And no, it's not 100% of everything. God understands that you have to eat and live. Maybe we can use the one-tenth as maybe a marker, but it's not mandatory. When we think about tithes and offerings, we first have to think about Jesus and the love he has given to us. And it is that point, and it is only then when we understand that, that we can talk about tithes and offerings and how much we ought to give. Jesus, when he was talking about money, also understood that people would be asking this question. And he gives this message to the people. He says, do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. And so we should not begin to think about tithes and offerings as just the means of satisfying God. The fact and reality is the more we invest resources and time, the more our love and relationship grows for that person. That's the reality of the human condition. So if you only give 10% to God, then maybe you only 
give 10% of your heart to him. Now, I don't want to just say it like that because it's not that simple. But we have to begin to think like this and be self-reflective. How much are you willing to give to God? How much are you willing to give to the one that he loves? And as you give, the church has to ask the same question. Are we using the finances in the way that is honoring to God? Are we helping the immigrant, the fatherless, the widow? It goes both ways. Here am I as a preacher asking you to give your tithes and your offerings. But at the same, you, at the, in the same way, you are absolutely entitled to say, how are you spending your money? How are you spending the money? We, it's a two-way transaction, and we do this ultimately for what? To grow the church, to make it bigger? Maybe, but ultimately to learn how to love one another and to learn how to love Jesus Christ. And to understand God and his love for us. It would be a great honor if all of us would experience the kind of love that God has for us by giving. God has always been about giving and loving. And he wants us to experience that as well. Offering is not about how much we can give or how impressive we are. It's about how much we can love. Brothers and sisters, the question when it comes to tithes and offering is not how much can I give, it's how much do I love. And it is a difficult question. And it grows and it changes from where we are in our life. If all you can give is a dollar right now, that is fine. That is fine, but I challenge you to learn to grow. To grow. If, you're, if, if, if everything else is increasing in your life, but the offering and tithes do not, then you have to be introspective. Why? Do you understand what tithes and offering is? It's not a tax. It's not a tax for being Christian. It's an opportunity to love, to serve, and to experience the grace of God. The purpose of this message was not so that you would go back and, okay, fine, 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 I'll write you a check. It's not the point. I mean, but you can do that. <laughs> the real point of the matter is this. We don't want tithes and offerings to be a burden. It was never meant to be a burden. And if you hear during our offering portion, we never say, please give, because you have to. We honestly want you to give from the joy of your heart. That is the whole purpose of tithes and offering. It is not a duty, it is not an obligation, but it is a right and a privilege to do so. It is serving the kingdom of God, it is serving us, it is serving one another, and ultimately it's serving him, the one who first sent his son so that we might be reconciled to him. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you. We thank you that you talk about money. Lord, we know that in New York City that money is always a sensitive topic. But Lord, in you, when we are free in you, we know that it shouldn't be. And we know that when we find our identity in you, that we are free to use these resources, to use our time and our money to give back to you. 
Lord, help us to free us from ourselves and from our deep desire to cling on to money. Lord, we all experience it. We all flirt with the idea, including myself. But God, would you transform our hearts? Help us to see your Son so that we may be able to freely give. And Lord, experience your grace and love. We thank you, O oh God, and we pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.